conversations with God, the first few words come easy. But where do we go from there? What could help prayer feel fresh, authentic, honest, fulfilling? What if the inspiration we need has been here for us all along? Welcome to church. Glad that you're here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. And to those of you in the room, welcome. To those of you that stayed home because you ate too much at the fair, it uh, serves you right. Um, so uh, <laughs> glad that everybody chose to join us this morning. Laurel and I went boating with some friends on a gorgeous summer day. And we were out on the water, and I went out on the swim deck and dove into the lake. As I jumped, my foot slipped between the fiberglass and a guardrail that was not doing its job. I'm still bitter, all right? Track with me. My foot was sliced completely open by the fiberglass, and our summer afternoon was interrupted by a trip to the ER. Yay! When we arrived at the hospital, I was actually really glad to see that my nurse was Liz. Liz went to CTK, and we actually had a friendship forged in paint. You see, Liz and her husband Andy had welcomed me to walk alongside of them as they welcomed a little baby boy into the world, and then had to hand him right back over to God within a few hours. Liz came into the room and in her indomitable nurse style said, Grant, there are more nerve endings in the bottom of your foot than in any other part of your body. I have to freeze the bottom of your foot so we can stitch it back together again, which means I'm going to have to push multiple needles into the nerve endings in your foot and it's going to hurt. She said, I've seen grown men puke or pass out going through what you're about to go through So you do whatever you have to do, and oh yeah, there is no other way. Yay! (laughs) I don't remember much after that, but I do remember it hurt really, really bad, and I never want to go through that again. I'm sure at some point, this is what I prayed, God, make it stop. It's interesting. As soon as we start talking about pain, we either empathize or we minimize. We either feel with the person who is describing their pain or we start comparing and thinking just how much more our painful moments are than the person who just shared. Pain can either be a unifier or a divider. This weekend, we're going to look at a prayer moment in Scripture that I pray will unify us with the Lord Jesus as we watch him walk through the deepest and rawest moment that he endured before he went to the cross to save all of us from our sin. This moment of prayer happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means oil press. And we're going to walk through a moment together when Jesus was pressed and crushed emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and physically. This is a moment of raw pain. Abandonment, questioning, and disappointment. If I could sum it up in one word, it would be dread. I'm going to read the whole section uninterrupted, and I just want to encourage you. Can you just open your heart and let it soak in? The Bible says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell down with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, then may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus is in pain, and he responds in prayer. There's a lot of ways you can respond when you are in pain. You can swear. You can scream about the injustice. You can make God a very convenient enemy. You can grit your teeth and bear it. Or you can blame it on somebody else. You have lots of options. Or you can do what Jesus did. And pray. Let's break this down. It begins with verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane was an actual place of crushing. As I said, Gethsemane means oil press. And in this place, olives were pressed three times there were three pressings don't miss the fact that jesus went back to pray three times the first press of the uh, of the olives produced the purest oil in biblical times this was used to to fuel the lamps in the temple to produce light it was for healing anointing oil and for meal offerings the first crushing was considered sacred and holy the second pressing was used for medicine for healing wounds and for food. The third and final pressing produced oil that was for cleansing that created a soap out of it that was used to remove impurities. With each pressing, more weight was added. The crushing became more intense. Jesus is pressed three times. The first for the sacred work of being made our sacrifice so that no other sacrifices would ever have to be made again. The second was so that through his wounds, ours would be healed. And the third is so that we could be cleansed from our sin. Don't miss the fact. Jesus goes into prayer three times to struggle with pain as he is pressed and crushed just like we are. Jesus goes to the garden and the Bible says he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I've alluded to this already, but I'm gonna say it again. Pain is always a prompt to pray. For the follower of Jesus, pain is always a prompt to pray. That means when you face the pain of a devastating breakup, 
when you experience the pain of a lost dream, when you've got a medical diagnosis with no hope outside of God, when you go through the pain of losing a loved one, when you experience the pain of of being abandoned by a family member that you thought would stay with you no matter what, when you watch someone that you love choose an alternative to God, when you see a marriage crumble, when you watch your child wander off from the Jesus you love and often feel so completely alone in the middle of it all, this is what God says. Talk to me. Talk to me. You may feel helpless to do anything about this situation. And in that moment, God invites you to come to him with and in the pain, even if it's knocking you off your feet. Look at what comes next in verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. In this moment, Jesus has got some friends, and I'm glad that they were there for him. But he also knows something. This pain is something that only his heavenly father understands. And that teaches me something. You know what? Nobody knows your pain better than you. Nobody understands the depth of what you're going through more than you do. So when your spouse doesn't understand and your best friend doesn't understand, you still have a heavenly father who does. The father meets the son in his pain. I love this. Instead of stepping away from the pain and somehow putting insulation between he and his son, God the father actually stands with him in the pain. What does it mean, Grant? God is with you in your pain. He's not some passive observer that stands off to the side and hopes you get it right. He's right there in the middle of it. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all of your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. It's right there. We can give our pain to God. Here's the problem. Most of us hold on to it. We figure out ways to manage it. We do our best to try and bear ourselves up underneath of it. And all of the while, God the Father is saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Beyond just inviting us to bring him our pain, these verses that I just read actually reveal God's heart for us in extending that invitation. Here's what he's saying. I want to stand with you in it. God cares about what, you, you, what you're going through. God cares about the burdens you're carrying. He cares about what you're dealing with in your life, and he wants to help you through it. That's the kind of God that he is. Listen to what Jesus prays to the God who meets him in his pain. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus is struggling with the plan. You know why I love that? Because I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life when I have struggled with God's plan. Anyone else? 17. The rest of you, okay. (laughs) This is the human side of Jesus. And it's heartbreaking. You can't read this any other way. God, I don't want to die. I don't want to take on the sin of the world on my shoulders. God, there's got to be a different way. God, I don't want to drain the cup of sin. I don't want to fill it back up again with my blood. God, help me. Make it stop. You ever prayed that? God, make it stop. 
Now, I want you to just try and relate just a little bit. The pain in your life that pushed you to the moment where you screamed to heaven, God, make it stop. I want you to take that and I want you to multiply it by the brokenness of every human being that's ever lived. That's the pain Jesus was handling. Facing that kind of pain, here's what Jesus declares, yet not as I will, but as you will. Here it comes. The will of God is always the best for you. Even when it hurts. I'm going to say it again. The will of God is always the best for you. It may not make sense to you, but God's plan is made perfect in you when we surrender the pain to him. There is a promise in scripture that there's purpose in the pain and that's true even for Jesus. The will of God was for Jesus to go through pain. Why? So that you and I could actually experience freedom. So that we could have a door open to us for salvation. Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Think about him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's an amazing verse, but it's confusing, isn't it? Who for the joy set before him. I read that, I'm like, what are you talking about? How can that be? There's no joy in crucifixion. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's inhumane. There's no joy in crucifixion unless you understand that on the other side of that pain was purpose. And the promises of God to us. God promises joy on the other side of pain when we choose his will. So what does that mean to us? It means this. When you are praying, your will be done is always the best response. Always. I have been um, just rocked by this thought all week. Jesus chose the will of God over his own suffering. Jesus said, Father, I will choose your will over personal comfort because I know you're doing something greater. Something greater in me, even beyond what I can truly understand in the pain of this moment. There is pain and there is prayer. And then Jesus experiences disappointment. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Wow. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. It must have been so disappointing. Can you imagine that? You are in a battle for your life and your friends fall asleep on you. That's a tough question. Couldn't you feel my pain and stay awake for just an hour? That's all I'm asking for. Now it's easy to default a question here, right? 
I could easily ask you the question, do you have friends that would stay up with you all night if you were struggling like this? I could ask you that question. That's an easy one. Here's a tougher one. Are you the kind of friend that would stay up with someone all night if they were fighting for their life? Let's keep going. Jesus asks him this, this question, and then he says, he says you, don't fall into temptation. Pain can open the door to temptation. Well, let's be honest, right? I mean, when we heard there are two temptations, we are tempted to believe God doesn't know about our pain and that he doesn't care about our pain. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, Satan's tactic to separate Adam and Eve from God was to make them question God's word. So we know this is true, right? When it hurts, we're tempted to question the goodness or even the logic of God. We ask hard questions like, God, what in the world are you doing? Why don't you just take it away? Jesus is asking these questions. Once again, he brings his questions back to God. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them, again, sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Okay, stay with me. Three times the Son of God prayed, asking for another way. But God the Father did not provide another way. And that was the answer that led Jesus to the cross. Jesus, there's no other way, there's no other option. Sometimes when we don't hear God speaking, we have to trust in what he's already said. The Bible doesn't say there was a voice from heaven. Jesus doesn't get a burning bush or writing in the sky. But let me say that again. It's so unbelievably important. Sometimes when we don't hear God speaking, we have to trust in what God's already said. Jesus receives silence but don't miss it. Oh, please don't miss it. That silence is wrapped in love and the promise of hope that all of this that he was about to go through would be for God's glory. We've got to be so careful here. We often believe that when we get a no, that there's only one conclusion. I must have done something wrong. I must have, have I must just be wrong. I, I must be doing it all wrong, but don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Jesus was perfect and he still didn't receive the answer he wanted what's the conclusion don't fear the no don't fear the no because there's always the promise of something greater God's will is always the best for you. The pain of Jesus and the answer that came from heaven opened a door for something. <laughs> Our salvation. Don't miss that. 
We're involved in this story. We're in the center of this story. Jesus paid it all, drank of the cup so that we could be free, so that we could show up and with crazy abandon say, God did something great. My friends, you are the part of the greater. What a beautiful gift, but it doesn't make it any easier, does it? Let's put it up on the screens. God's no to Jesus was a yes to us. I mean, have you ever thought about that for just a second? This no to Jesus opened the door for God to say yes to millions of people who've cried out for his salvation over all of history. Jesus chose pain so that Grant Fishbook could choose him. Jesus chose pain so Dan could say yes. Scott could say yes. That Jim could say yes. That Nancy could say yes. That Thomas could say yes. So just as Jesus took the cup, we're going to take the cup together. If you came in this morning, you received a communion cup and I'd like to you to grab a hold of it right now communion is very special to Jesus followers it's a moment when we are reminded of all that Jesus did for us of the pain that he endured the life that he lived so that we could be set free this is an interesting moment for people because what I'm going to say is this this moment is for people who've already decided to follow Jesus. So if you're just checking out this thing called following Jesus, I want to welcome you to to just watch what's going on. Thank you for being respectful, but I don't want you to do something you don't fully and completely understand. I had a young lady after the first service said, she goes, Grant, thank you for giving me an out. I'm completely new to this Jesus thing. Not a lot of this makes sense. But I got to watch, and I'll tell you something. What happened around me was pretty powerful. I said, well, my prayer for you is that you actually begin a a relationship with Jesus because we would love to share this with you. And she said, and I so appreciate it, she goes, I'll think about it. I love that. The cracker represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us as part of God's will to open the door for our salvation. The cup is a new covenant. It was bought with the blood of Jesus that allows us to remember all that we've been saved from. So this is a moment. We're gonna come to God. We're gonna speak to him about our pain. We're gonna confess the blame that was attached to it and we're gonna pray for strength in the temptation against trying to do this on our own. I want to remind you of something. You have the opportunity to hold this cup because Jesus paid it all. So I'm going to invite the worship team, eBay and everyone to come back out. They're going to come and join me and, and we're going to worship together. I'm going to ask you to hold the cup in your hand. And after we've made a declaration that Jesus paid it all, then we're going to take it together. 
Cups can be a little confusing, so if you need to work out the engineering in the next minute or two, that would be good. <laughs> but in a moment, we'll do this together. But in the meantime, worship is such a beautiful way to respond. And I want to encourage you to not just worship, but to allow your physical body to become a sacrifice of praise and an offering to him. If God says to kneel, kneel. If God says stand, stand. If God says sit and hold, sit and hold. If God says give it to me, give it to him. All of this was done by him for you. Let's worship together. Because Jesus was broken and his blood was spilled, you've been washed as white as snow. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. Let's eat it together. Bible says after supper he took a cup and when he had blessed it he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood and every time you drink it you remember me let's drink it together Jesus thank you Thank you. You may grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. The account wraps up with these words. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. I want you to notice something here. Prayer can transform resignation into resolve. Let me say that again. Prayer can transform resignation into resolve. The response of Jesus is not, okay, fine then. I guess we'll do what you want me to do. Okay. No, Jesus sets his sight on the cross because of me and you. Jesus knew suffering was coming, but the pain of this moment would create a salvation down the moment down the road that Jesus paid for with his life. It's not a light story. Just in this account, we find Jesus experiencing the pain of disappointment when his closest circle of friends show their humanness and fall asleep. We see Jesus experience the pain of isolation as he goes to a place where you can only go alone. 
We see the pain of confusion as he questions, is there any other way? We see the pain of anticipation and the anxiety that comes from Jesus knowing, I am going to suffer and it's just hours away. We see the pain of abandonment because Jesus knows my friends that are sleeping now, they're going to walk. They're going to leave me. We see the pain of betrayal because Judas has already started walking that way. And we see the pain of emotional distress because Jesus is about to drain the cup of sin as the worst of us is poured out on his perfection. He became sin who knew no sin so that we could be called his righteousness. And in that moment, Jesus shows every one of us what to do when we hurt. He prays. Years ago, there was a movie called Chariots of Fire. Some of you remember it, some of you don't. It's the story of a young man who would not run in the Olympics on a Sunday because he didn't want to dishonor the God that he loved and served. Eric Little eventually became a missionary in China and was martyred for his faith. He wrote these words, God does not say that because you believe in him, you will be, that he will keep you from hardship and suffering. He says if you trust him, he will strengthen you to meet all of life's experiences with a conquering spirit. He said you will have secret resources of power to call on when they are needed. Life is full of hard experiences, bitter disappointments, unexpected losses, and grim tragedies. He says, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless among the ruins. Our broken lives are not lost or useless. God's love is still working. He comes in and takes the calamity and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. Laurel and I have had to come to God in prayer, especially in times of great pain. If you've been with us over the last 24 years, on many occasions I've stood in front of you and, and talked about our story. Some people have asked me from time to time, Grant, do you, why do you always share personal stories? Well, it's actually because of 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We do this together around here. In our first couple of years of marriage, Laurel's dad, her oldest brother, Alan, and her niece passed away. Two from colon cancer, one from brain tumor. In Laurel's first term of pregnancy, she was diagnosed with her eye disease and the prognosis is that she would be blind within five years. At the same time, my mom and dad were both battling cancer and in the middle of it, we followed God's calling and moved to a different country in this county to do ministry. We all deal with pain. If you think somehow because you've got a pastor title you're immune to pain, then we need to talk. There are times for all of us when it feels like a brighter tomorrow is never going to come. But even if we experience silence, when we're not hearing it directly, we can still go back to all of the things that God has already said. 
So if today you came to church and you're like, it just doesn't feel like I'm ever going to get to the other side of the pain, I have a, a spiritual responsibility to remind you of something. God promised his children beauty for ashes. God promised his faithfulness is new every morning. God promises that it's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is coming. God promises that he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God promised this. I didn't make it up on my own. He promised when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. When you go through the river, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. God promises, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. God promises that he is always God and he's a friend that will stick closer than a brother. That's his word. So when we're struggling to hear and make sense of it all, we can always go back to his promises. In deep pain, Jesus went back to his father and that's what allowed him to say, not my will, but your thighs be done. You know, in our life, we can look back now and see it. There were so many moments when God showed us. He was with us in the pain. We can testify. He was there all the time. I don't know what you're supposed to walk away with today. I do know this. Jesus is a friend and he gets it. And his promises are both sure and secure. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here in this sacred moment with us. Always, always here. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who don't know if they can make it through one more day, I thank you that Jesus paid it all that Jesus prayed it all and that he is our strength. God, I pray for spiritual movement in every single one of our lives. God, I pray for anything we've been holding back that we're carrying today. And I pray that it, out of our spiritual devotion, we would lay it at the foot of your cross and say, Jesus, can you carry this? Lord, I thank you that you say yes every single time. God, we thank you for the gift of what happened in the garden. Lord, we don't understand all the dynamics, but I am so grateful today that you are with us in the pain. So God, may we pray. May we seek you with all of our heart. May we anchor ourselves in your promises. And hold on to that promise through and beyond another day. God, we love you. We thank you for drinking the cup so that we could be forgiven and set free. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to church today. 
Thank you for sitting with the word of God with me and struggling through a difficult passage. May your prayers be inspired and strengthened this week to cry out to God and in every situation say, not my will, but yours be done. God bless you guys. Have an amazing weekend.